0: Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's
2: bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Hey, welcome to Nerdist Podcast number 268.
1: I'm kind of whispering because I'm in a hotel room and it's very late because I just got into New York late because we're doing New York Comic Con this weekend and we're doing our live show at the Best Buy Theater, Nerdist Podcast. So uh, other quick announcements. Uh, Talking Dead returns because Walking Dead returns Sunday, October 14th on AMC. There's that. Also, hey, support the podcast. Go to this podcast page. uh, Go to the Amazon banner. Click on it. Shop as you normally would. You'll support the Nerdist Podcast. I'm sorry. I'm trying to do this because I feel like at any second there's going to be banging on the wall, uh, and not the good kind. It's going to be the shut up kind. But my continuing to talk about what I'm afraid is going to happen is only lengthening this intro. Um, this podcast is Liam Lynch, who we've been kind of acquaintanced for a while, but not actually uh, ever actually hung out. So this was a, this was super fun to actually sit down and talk to Liam. Liam. Turned out to be one of the most interesting people I've ever talked to. I mean, I knew Liam from uh, from Cifil and Ali, and you know, he directed Jesus as Magic. And I, you know, I knew him as a guy who, in the United States or whatever, and I knew him as a guy who just like, oh yeah, he makes a lot of cool stuff, but I had no idea how far I would go. And as a matter of fact, uh, he's a huge Doctor Who fan, which uh, he sent me a version of the Doctor Who theme that he did just fucking around, and so I tacked on to the end of this podcast. So here you go, The Nerds Podcast, episode number 268, with Liam Lynch. Sorry, hotel neighbors. That's all right, Chris. Now
3: entering
2: nerdist.com. this one has LED in that it,
1: like it looks like a sonic screwdriver it looks like a sonic screwdriver but it's a but it's a it's a vaporizer a sm- oh
2: wow <laughs>
1: a smoke
3: vaporizer. It is a vaporizer So wait what's what's in it though
2: um there's thousands of flavors 10,000 20,000 different flavors cuz it's open to food things yeah so you can Birdie Not bots, like every
1: flavor smokes.
2: It's like Willy Wonka invented smoking, and it doesn't hurt you or <laughs> smell, or there's no smoke. That's what it's like. It's so, like, <laughs> and it's cheaper than smoking. It is. It's, you can the Schnozberries vape like Schnozberries. Wow,
3: they vape pretty well. Mm-hmm.
2: Dude, but it's so. If you're like a nerdy, like a like, so I filled this up, and this would last me a whole day, and it's so cheap, and it's so good. It's so much better. This is a variable voltage mod and i can it checks the ohm rating of my cardamizer mm-hmm. the um <laughs> yeah, where's the uh, flux capacitor yeah, exactly but you can set the voltage to high voltage and
3: it What's just fires What's the difference if it's a higher voltage
1: how how hard it it's kind shoots of
2: like, if you and this is know, allowed like, could a could you, smoker That's,
1: that's just water vapor, vapor you're shooting at, water right vapor.
3: Yeah.
2: Nothing, no, So it's, it's just, not, just like burning. about them
3: it's just about the mental idea of just being able to do that well, there's no, something it in it feels that feels
2: great, and it tastes incredible. It tastes so good.
3: It's like yeah. a hookah pipe, right? You're you're inhaling. Are you
1: inhaling it?
2: Yeah, I'm inhaling. Is it? Is, but is, it's water vapor.
1: Is there a tobacco element to it?
2: Um, if you have a tobacco flavor, there is. But you can also do nicotine? literally apple. You can have it with nicotine or without, and you can do you could do apple stuffed w- waffles. And it's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it tastes like you're eating that. And it's, but what's, what's the chemical
1: thing that it's doing to you? Is, it, is, is there any you know, kind of thing you're inhaling or um, any kind of buzz that you get from it, or is it just you, the?:
2: Well, you can get it with nicotine, but you can control the nicotine how much you want but when you buy the different flavors. So it's what you can't do in cigarettes because there's like you can wean yourself off nicotine from, but there's nothing wrong with nicotine. It's a, almost the same molecule as caffeine.: It's the tar. It's everything else.
3: Yeah. that they're all in the course. other chemicals. They know that cinder going they know, into your lungs. That's
2: what it is. It's ash and carcinogens and the chemicals they add. There's like seven hundred chemicals in a cigarette, and when you light it, all the, it makes. Th- almost three thousand chemicals. Jesus yeah. Christ! But in this, there's there's three ingredients. So it's it's you know water and propylene glycol and then a flavoring of
3: sorts. Even apple that, uh, Even like the American spirit stuff is just like it's no good. It's no, still it's, it's just bad. still it's, burning. It's
2: burning. You're inhaling it. It's
3: like running into a forest fire. And yeah. Then yeah. Just inhaling. No, they just
1: put a Native American. Just putting a Native American on something doesn't make it healthy. <laughs> Or mixed, spiritual?
2: That's, no, mixed it's just a healthy. branding.
1: <laughs> it's just a branding thing. Yeah. But
3: a wood coin, but,
2: dude. Honestly, it's like the evolution. It's like this is what they'll be doing in space stations. Yeah. You know, like whenever I think, like I'm like, Boba Fett has this in one of his <laughs> things. You know what I mean? Like he gets, After a he gets, righteous he gets kill? in the ship and he just like, lifts his helmet out, and he's like.
1: After a hard day of bounty hunting, I like mm-hmm. to sit down with a <laughs> yeah. nice, cool because, you know,
2: drag. These won't clog space station air filtration systems. <laughs> like.
1: Ashwood. Uh, so yep. all
2: you're doing is humidifying
1: it's wampa flavored
2: yeah exactly it's kind of the uh the jabba you know frog oh, yeah. water hookah
1: right <laughs> that's what that was that was yeah. a frog hookah yeah, I yeah. that Java like was
2: little
3: in. frogs in there you yep <laughs> just a little plastic frog it could be frog and a little buddy that laughs at you, <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know>. <laughs>
1: Sal-
3: salacious crumb yeah salacious crumb
1: um I, I well there's a certain element of smoking that I think is not that is it also beyond the you know I'm getting all these chemicals or whatever but it's just it, I think it's the focused breathing thing like if you're stressed if people are stressed out I, I agree it focused like that part focused your breathing it slows and uh, you down. but but that but so bad for you um it's
2: terrible for you and I hated it and I smoked for a long time and I tried everything to quit and then um and for me it was more like if I wrote my day as in a diary, a cigarette was was all the punctuation. Every comma and yeah. period, I got in my car. Period. Yep. Had a cigarette. <laughs> wow. I Like walked outside, comma lit a. Right. So I like removing that from my life was really like removing all the punctuation out of my day, and it was weirder. That was the weirdest part for me. But I tried the you know the e-cigarettes, those little ones, and they didn't satisfy me. And I started learning about it and f- realized that there's all these great American companies that are making these really beautiful objects and so that's a high voltage vaporizer. For, yeah, it's high voltage. And those little ones that look you know, they're these little Chinese batteries and they don't last and they don't satisfy you. And if a smoker tries them, they're gonna be like this is You uh, just want to smoke again an hour yeah, later. Exactly. Mm. So I kind of did those half half for a while and then went full bore and, um, and really got into it, and it's kind of like a really weird. You
1: mean community. you have boar flavored? Yeah, it's yeah. boar flavored. Full cool boar. And, and but like regular
2: boar, if like pork. you're just not that hungry. All the ham flavors, they really are <laughs> yeah. great. Right?
1: You have wild boar on the islands of Hawaii. Yeah, that uh, fucking scared the shit out of me once when we were hiking through. Oh they can fuck God. you up. We were hiking through uh, on um, this was ages ages ago with uh, with Jacinda, I think. We were we were hiking on um, Kauai. Mm-hmm. We're sort of hiking through the forest. Like, oh, we kayak to the to the waterfall from Fantasy Island. And we're sort of walking through this trail, and we just hear this, like, clump, clump, like this heavy hoofs-dropping sound.
2: <laughs> and there's the boar from Lost. I mean, run! <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: That's what's funny. Like, and then when the I was bushes walking. separated, and someone's like, uh, oh, no, yeah, that was probably a wild boar. And yeah. you're lucky
3: that he didn't. Charge, charge you. Yeah, because yeah, they can just, take out your fucking legs.
2: Yeah, they're just crazy.
3: Yeah, I remember uh, when watching Lost, and there was the, you know, it was about before the polar bear was about to start running up, and I was like, oh, they're gonna think it's something crazy, but it'll just be a boar. And then it was a polar bear. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, boars are, don't mess with the boars.
3: But,
1: uh, oh, sorry. I, I, yeah, I, um, I mean, I, re- I remember smoking, it's just
2: Did you ever smoke?
1: I did, in my twenties. Yeah. And I'm so sorry I ever did. And I, I actually, I just did, a, I just did a Larry King interview, and he goes, "What do you, what do you regret most in your life?" And I was like, oh, "I don't know, I don't really like to, you know, yeah, I don't really, I try not to live with the regret." And he was like, "Mind smoking?" Oh wow, does he, he have problems? Wow. You think? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, he smoked. He probably, I assume he smoked like for decades, for, you yeah, know, and it just, cigars. like when you get older, it just doesn't do anything yeah. good for your. I mean, it doesn't do anything for good for your body. Period. Yeah, you just when you're young you're dumb and so you don't you're you're just like, you're,
2: invincible. It's like yeah. you're it's like you're
1: it's it's like a mortgage. It's like a it's like a health mortgage. you are like, I'm borrowing against Yeah
2: who, you know I'll yeah, pay it later Yeah, later on. I and then but then it.
3: when you do like I'm oh not boy. that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never got into it. I don't know why. My mom smoked, yeah, and like good. I just, that's I just probably thought probably was... why you didn't get into it because you had to live around it. Yeah, of, you know, it but so she gross. would always hide it. It was always that obvious oh, thing. Really? Where she like you'd walk in a room and she'd like put it behind the chair. and You just see <laughs> <What>? smoke <laughs> coming up from behind her. and I'm not smoking. I'm not if that's? What I'm not. It's not. Coming out I'm. Mouth I'm like, yeah, honey, exactly. mommy's
1: lighting farts. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly.
3: But uh, yeah, I just I never and. You know, I was like a straight edge kid, but then even when I started like you know drinking and trying drugs and stuff like that, it's still smoking cigarettes was always just like I don't see the point. When you became a craggy edged kid,
2: yeah, I never like I don't drink or do drugs of any kind. I never have. I just, but smoking was like always the thing I did, and and it it unfortunately became part of my like work ethic. It was like the writing at night and lighting a candle. It was kind of like having a cigarette burning while I was working, and and I work late at night. And, but this totally replaced it. And what's really cool is that um, they have these things called pass-throughs that um, it is exactly like a hookah. It plugs in your computer, the USB, and it's powered. So you're literally, like, smoking from your computer. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> As soon as Boy, we can give them vaginas, as as why would we ever exactly. leave the house? It's, it's, if you want to be a nerd, as soon as as soon as there's some sort a of a f- some sort of a food matter duplicator. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so, anyways, but yeah, it's uh, it's been great though because I
3: haven't I haven't smoked in almost three years. Oh, that's awesome oh, well, because yeah. that's when you started on trying yeah, all those yeah. things. God, I don't miss wow. it at all. You I don't. Just, m- you know, I've no, always. I uh, hate. I can't. I'm so glad I'm. You can't deny though that it does look cool. <laughs> it does, and that's like—I'm not trying to make a joke. It looks cool. Smoking a cigarette looks—you cool. know what?
1: It depends on who's smoking it. There are some yeah. people who are like, "Hey Gary, what's happening?" And you're just like, "Yeah," and it's like, no, he's like he's, he's holding John a cigarette with smoking. the
3: gap in his teeth. That's cool. Like uh, I saw this one band play. Uh, their band, this band called Party of Helicopters, and. The drummer, just amazing drummer, but just Maybe the drummer hanging, trick out
1: trick. hanging out of his mouth. Bunny Carlos, Bunny Carlos, Bun, like just hanging out while he's hanging out of his mouth. that was pretty cool. Not a super healthy looking guy, by the way. No, no. but it looked cool.
2: <laughs> no, he looked like he was in his mid 50s when he was probably like 20 25. Years, a lot
3: like of those, if you look at a lot of bands though from the 70s, all those guys look like yeah, they're fucking true. 30 You're years like, older. What? Frampton was only like 25, yeah, you exactly. know. Exactly. <laughs> none of them had hair and they were all
1: fucking, just like Ugh. crazy. Doing tons of fucking drugs yeah, and, none of them looked healthy. I mean, if you could come back, if you could come back during any time period, I think the th- I think it would be fun to just be a like a fucking british rock star in the 70s. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and where it just no one gave a shit about anything. There was no.
2: unprotected sex, or tons of drugs, drink. I mean, being in Motorhead in the 70s All those people yeah. in the, like
1: it like if you had to live into the 80s then it gets dicey. It gets but if it was just the,
2: the 80s, 70s yeah. and you just yeah. sort of like what they a were fun large
1: Yeah, you, yeah, for sure.
3: Everyone was like sexual revolution and just, But it was just the dirty end of it, you know. It was like totally the, the dirty was yeah, the, it was just the dregs of just like oh let's just fucking like it's like the peace and no war stuff just went was out the over. window and it was just really just about the drugs. As and the much fucking.
1: as I think of the '80s as being kind of like um uh, neon and day glow and and clean lines and, pads and and yeah. prime and like like bright colors and shoulder pads and you know checkerboard patterns, the '70s is just like. The, just like a greasy ashtray it's yeah. just like
2: the it's brown and orange corduroy
3: <laughs> it's a yeah, fucking yeah. Well, it's a what it's a say. bar mat with cum on it right. we would <laughs> say that too like even when you, you just watch TV or movies from the 70s everyone's like sweaty <laughs> everyone's, yeah. everything's brown just yeah. everything brown know, they and need sweaty smog there's still tons of smog
2: in the it was air just, the 70s just yeah, had like right. that yeah. fucking
1: plastic covering over vinyl yeah. furniture with, with like brown cigarette yeah. burns diesel,
3: diesel film over <laughs> yeah, everyone watching he was in the Brady bunch you are like nothing looks clean it just doesn't
2: look
1: clean. Like, no. just hairy vaginas yeah. and stinky buttholes.
2: And <laughs> 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 but they didn't have toilet paper? That's in not, no, that's no, actually, toilet paper.
1: That's, that's why they that's grew their hair out. in the <laughs> 70s. Yep. <laughs> hairy hairy vaginas and stinky buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord <laughs> Lord. I like to use a word, like, pussy, but then butthole right after. Like, it's really yeah. funny to use to really away. filthy
3: words and then, like, <laughs> a word a kid that's would like use. my favorite new character, the guy that, like, can't follow through with his dirty talk. It's like, "Hey Chris, you take that little cunt and shove your wee wee into her." <laughs> God. <duh! laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just
1: like it's like making a word like pussy bookers. Like yeah. <laughs> it's those two words next to each other. Mm. We haven't really earned our uh explicit tag in a long time. I feel yeah. really good about this today.
3: You going to take your throbbing cock and put it into her poopy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to put
1: it in her into her, into her yes. yeah. <laughs> tweet tweet Yes. Yeah. I don't I don't know. The, this yeah, a, I don't know what is. <laughs> it's a bird's vagina. Uh, <laughs> right in the old Tweetwee. Um but Liam, it's nice to have you on because our paths have almost crossed So many times. We have so many numerous times. friends in common. Going and, back uh, to MTV. Yeah. Back into the to the to the old to the old days of the MTV. Days. So let's just talk about Syphil and Ollie for a second. Okay. Um maybe you might know that Jonah's girlfriend did a performance to uh, a performance at and
3: Upset, she'll be very upset that I, I tell her. What? Tell him. She she was hoping he would forget about it, but she, you probably have. At a Cephalanali convention, uh, my future wife uh, uh, like did a really bad magic act.
2: Oh, perform a magic act yeah. at the. Oh, wow, that's yeah.
3: cool. Yeah, and then like, uh, but she was like, I think she was eighteen. Or something oh, the time. No, but she's like, uh, she, like when we were at the table at the wedding, she's like, I just have this feeling that he. Remembers it for being so bad for some reason. No, no,
2: no, no, I don't know. That's cool. That's really cool.
1: So how did how did uh, that was uh, back when MTV was doing fun? They were
2: experimental programming. So much stuff. I mean, they invented reality television somehow with real world. I mean, that was really really. I can't think of a that really set the pace for how bad a lot of television is now. (laughs) But but um. Yeah, they, they really... And Liquid Television, I mean, there's yeah. so many... Well, MTV
1: was, MTV was innovative programming at one point, particularly because no other channel would... Pro- they, they basically... MTV was the internet before the internet.
2: Yeah, I completely
1: agree um, with you. Where it was like, you know, low-end kind of user-generated programming. And, and then they
2: were willing to take chances. Totally
1: willing to take chances, and everyone expected that. And so, um, you know, and then at a certain point their core audience got older and they tried to program younger and then it became more about, you know, Laguna Beach type stuff. And and
2: Real World actually was the start of the end for them because they realized that they could get huge ratings and have hits that weren't people's music videos. And then they started just working on making shows exactly like the real world. Well, it didn't take...
1: I mean, what what people need to understand about MTV is that even, even... early 90s people were like mtv doesn't play music videos anymore yeah, and the yeah. reason that that happened i mean it's it's it was purely a sort of a darwinian survival thing people were fascinated by music videos in the beginning to mid 80s yeah it was like
2: oh my god
1: what an amazing art form yeah but we could get, watch these I mean, over I mean, and I over I again when
2: mtv turned on i was waiting on the cable box i had a countdown. And of like till MTV starts. And I remember like being in front of the TV to see like the countdown go to zero and then all of a sudden the network come on. Like I saw it turn on. on. I've had the wireless back in '52. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know what's weird though
3: is, uh, like and in videos, they didn't even really get watchable or very good until the '90s. That's when they kind of upped the game.
1: There were some cool ones in the '80s. I mean, like the um, the Peter Gabriel videos were fucking awesome. I guess the, Aha the cars, video. the
2: cars, always had neat ones. That the were cars had really great videos, really and then different. You
1: two did cinematic videos, and true. you know it's. Uh, and I, I, I'm positive that I mentioned this before, but so much of the, the British music invasion in the United States in the '80s was because american record labels didn't want to put their artists on mtv for whatever reason but the british label the british bands were like fuck it we'll do it and so Mm -hmm. that's why you had that's why there was so much like duran duran Duran, and you know all these british bands that kind of like that new wave
2: midnight runners (laughs) come on
1: eileen all these these, this like that wave of brit of brit pop that that came over was because but because of that and then and then around the mid 80s i think they started realizing like okay, so people aren't going to just sit and watch music videos anymore because we're already chipping away at their attention spans. We have to create original programming. And it happens to every cable channel. Mm -hmm. Every cable channel ends up getting to a point where they're like, I think we have to create
3: original programming to build Shit, an audience.
2: We're gonna have to do a show.
3: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that's when, the when TV Guide Channel says they have to make original programming. You know, every that's that's yeah. when you it. start. You know, that's when you start seeing.
1: You know, uh, that's when you start seeing shows pop up like Remote Control, mm-hmm. and they start putting like the young ones on, and they you know, they start running Monty Python, and they start you know Kevin Seal Sport and Fool, and just all these weird shows. And that was really their kind of the, how the how the programming ushered in, and that mm-hmm. continued for. A good fifteen years yeah. of original programming, <laughs> and then, and then it just all went yeah, it just kind of kind of south, kind of south. But so yeah. how did how did they find you? Uh, how how do you how do you pitch a sock puppet show to MTV? Did they did they just know that well, they wanted was, to work with you, or did they did you pitch the show? In,
2: I was how did I start it to begin with? Yeah, I, I I was living in England for about four years or so, and I started Sifonali in England, and I made. Um, the show, I borrowed a video camera, VHS camera, hmm. and I didn't have anything. And I really wanted to do stop action, but I didn't have the the things I would need to do that. And I, so I made pu- them puppets out of what I could find, which were socks. It wasn't like, it's, it's a sock puppet, it's a thing. It was just like, <laughs> it was just like, that's what I had. Uh, Chester, who's a character on the show, I made out of a rubber mold that's used to make statues of Buddha. <laughs> I don't know if that gives him really good karma or bad karma, but, um, so... I made a bunch of shorts and I sent them to MTV Europe and I made 10 of them and they licensed all of them. Oh shit. And they said, make more. And I made some more and I made more and I made more until I had done about 110 just shorts. So then I started making tapes of them and sending them to MTV America and, you know, like trying to call them and trying to get them to watch this tape of like all these different short, short episodes Um, these were like anywhere between 30 seconds long and two minutes long. And, uh there was a lot of s- sibling rivalry between MTV Europe and MTV America. But Siffl and Ollie were on all of MTV Europe, MTV Africa, MTV Australia. Wow. Um, before it was like a half hour show. And so then finally, um, I think actually with um, the success of South Park, which in when it started, the thing that was insane about South Park that every- freaked everyone out was how... Um, cheap, it looked. Yeah, because it looked, it was like cut out yeah. card construction paper, and so with the success of South Park, um, I think they're more willing to take a chance with Sifl and Ollie, and and so they said, "How would you do a show?" And I wanted to keep it those shorts, so I I made short segments, so the show worked in as sandwiched vignettes.
1: Well, especially because the executive at MTV, who I believe had to have been one of the people who brought in Sifl and Ollie was the guy who commissioned Spirit of Christmas.
2: That's exactly right. Brian Brian um, Graden. Graydon. Yeah, and it, and him moving from Comedy Central over to MTV, I think I think he had that feather in his cap and he had the confidence with like, you know what, people will accept something if they like the attitude of it, not just right. how it looks, the production of it. And for Siflinali it was really about how little can you do And consider it, like, a show. Like, I I would have... The ones that were on Europe, it would, like, come on, and they would be sitting there, and um, it would be silence. And, like, then one of them would just go, like...
0: And then it would end. And then it would be, like... And then the theme song would play. And it would be, like,
2: a a minute... You just watched two minutes of puppets thinking. But that... But,
1: you know, and that the spirit of that is so much in the old... Mac Granning life and hell cartoons of just yeah, like it is. not of <laughs> yeah, like eight yeah. panels of Akbar <laughs> and Jeff,
2: and then one says to somebody, the other like, let's get pizza, yeah, you know, and, and they like, and that's the whole like cartoon. That. It is like that. So, um, so yeah, so we made two seasons, and then we were, we also did a third season that, um, was going to air online. And this is still very early for videos to be online, and I, I remember that we had a very small size, and I had to make sure that. I made everything really simple looking so that if it was really compressed down small, <laughs> that I had to make type font really big on the screen so hmm. that it would be legible. Because there <laughs> were, like, we had, all right, I want you to make a TV show. You got six pixels. Go! <laughs> you
1: know, and so... Some days, these, someday, these will just be called thumbnails. Exactly. <laughs> but for now...
2: Exactly. That's exactly... It was the si- smaller than Everyone than that, had dial-up. So. Yeah, every one did have dial-up, and it was all like 320 by something, you know, and and it was really small and really bad, you know. <laughs> but um, at the time, MTV Online was trying to break free of MTV. They're like, we don't need you; we're our own thing. It was like, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> your all your content is about our network. So they were trying to break up. They had this huge argument, and in that, and they were moving offices in New York. Right when the Oli season threes were supposed to go online, they never went online, so they never showed them. So they um, so they let me have them back, and um, what are you doing with that's it? A, but but and then three years after MT, after MTV canceled the show, uh, the characters reverted back to me, so I could oh, do nice. whatever I wanted with them. Back in like two thousand and two or one. Yeah. Um. But I haven't felt like doing them until now. You know.
1: And so you're doing them again.
2: I'm doing them again now.
3: Where?
1: You put out a few albums On Machinima. Oh, you are? Oh, it is Machinima. That's right. Yeah. I knew I had uh, seen it online, but I couldn't remember where I saw it. I watched watched it
3: today. It's great. It's really
2: fun. Yeah, Yeah, so what we're doing is they're they're doing... I'm doing video game reviews, but all the games are completely fake. (laughs) So I'm reviewing... It's real reviews for fake games. And I do 3D animation, so I, I get to make up these games, but then I'm also creating... What you you see the gameplay of these games. God damn exist. it.
1: Now, I like the Machinima guys, but I'm jealous that we didn't get to you first.
2: <laughs>
3: God
1: damn it. Um, it's really good.
2: That's such and, a fucking awesome idea. Yeah. Yeah. And so, all the games are completely fake. You see, um, and a lot of them are based on absolutely nothing. They're based on daydreams you have in the shower and go, oh, that's funny. <laughs> Is it? And a- then other ones are, are spoofs of obvious, like we have like mock effect. With the mock effect, man will not be able to reach the farthest corners of space until he can travel faster than sound itself. <laughs> With the mock effect relays, this is possible. Is this on Main Machinima, Machinima Prime? It's on Main Machinima. It's part of the Happy Hour okay. lineup. And um, new episodes go up every Sunday. And I did I did uh, eight episodes, plus I did a promo, uh, for which is basically just me singing a song called Motherfucking Pie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that went on, that went on and, iTunes uh, today. Uh, what's that? That's on iTunes. It is on. Yeah. It went up today. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, <laughs> I've been checking. I put it up weeks ago, and it takes forever for things to show up on oh, iTunes. Tuesday. Um, so there's a promo episode. So it was like nine episodes.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy because Ali is one of those shows that just survived in the culture. You know, yeah, it just you
2: know what? it was so we were even when we were on the network, it was like we weren't a part of it. It was like we were on a cable access show that was on MTV or something. Mm-hmm. It was so, like, in its own bubble that I think... And it's pretty funny, too, because when you put them online, I'm like, you know, everything. everybody is so evil online. You, all you get, it's like you get... It's a constant barrage of getting roses and rocks thrown at you. Right. That you just feel not happy or sad about anything you do on the Internet because you're you have so much equal hate and love opinions at the same time that you just yeah. end up gray. But I've been happy that the comments in general have been those of please, being pleased to see Sifil and Ali again. Yeah.
1: So. I mean, it is comforting to know that everyone has that experience on the internet and that's yeah. just how it is. Well, it's weird. You well, look
2: it's just, a- that's just opinions. That's just yeah. people. The more people you meet, the more you're going to meet that don't like you. Yeah, That's yeah. just how it is, you know?
3: That's the odds. It's weird, though, when you see like a bad comment and you go, fuck that guy. Then you see a good comment. You're like, well, what does he know? He's just a guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah you don't want to take you don't want to take credit it
2: out. seems like what's happening you know on machine especially because they're that is the most like harsh group of angry people that yeah. the gamers like really hardcore gamers that just want to bomb you with hate and snipe you if they could yeah and but the thing is uh it seems like what's happening is a a lot of fans of the show anybody that pipes in like what you know, what the fuck is this? Or what is this? They get they get bombed by everybody We're like, Yo noob, you're too young. You were in your mom's vagina when I was watching smoking bongs, bitch. And like so they're they're really the the fans are like protecting, like don't touch my oh, good that's good. childhood memories. <laughs> here, let's uh, do let's
1: do a bit role playing thing here, okay? So I'm gonna be a guy and then the first conversation. I don't know if I
2: can imagine. that. So just pretend okay. I'm a guy mm. for a sec. Mm. Here I'll
1: take my dick out. Okay, that's all I really want to do. Um, so here's what we're gonna do. I'm a guy <laughs> out of
2: Jonah. And then
3: <laughs>
1: no, no, into Jonah. <laughs> then you're gonna reach through Jonah. I'm listening. Uh, <laughs> and uh, pull it through his pussy and butthole. Um, but uh, it, so you're gonna you're gonna say, hey, here's this thing I made, and my first guy is gonna be a commenter. And then okay. the second time you say it, I'm going to be that same guy that you're meeting in real life.
2: That sounds great. Okay,
1: ready? So you're going to present your thing.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, here's episode one of Siffle and Ollie. This is an abortion! I can't
1: believe all caps! I wasted a minute! I wish I could cut off your fucking head and shove it up your ass and then
2: back down your throat, you piece of shit fucknut! Ladies and gentlemen... Oh, no, and now it's just... Is in it person. In person? Yeah. Oh, like, oh, hey, man, how's it going? <laughs> That's exactly right. That's
3: it, it, fan, real big fan. It's, 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 it's I'm, pretty, by, pretty myself cool. I'm cool. by myself,
2: bravery. I'm by myself and safe.
3: Yeah, balls. Yeah. 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 the no, be, no. the anonymity thing is a is, a, is a comfortable tower. Well, it's the same yeah. reason that you know, like if someone cuts you off while you're in your car, you're gonna fucking you go, oh fuck you, you piece of shit. And then someone cuts you off in real life, you're just gonna go, oh sorry. That yeah,
2: but if they were in the car with yeah. you.
3: that
1: (laughs) that actually i had that epiphany a week ago where i was screaming at people in traffic under my breath or just in my car it was just one of those days where i needed to get somewhere and everyone was like slower than the rest of traffic cutting you off like slowed down they made the light and i would catch the light it was just one of those like what the fuck is wrong with these people and then for a second i was like oh my god i'm the internet this is what the internet yeah, is. Exactly people think is. they're isolated and they're alone and they're looking at a machine with text and they don't realize that, that they're. I would never shout these things yeah, if exactly. I had a convertible yeah. and yeah. I had to actually
3: deal it's with the people. Weirdest, it's like Robotech. You feel like yes, you could do that, you you're like protected. Your armor.
2: The weirdest thing is that. A people rage take, bubble. You know, if I see something, I, you see stuff online that you think is stupid, you just don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that there's people that take the time. Some people want to wanna be angry. If, do you know what I mean? Like they ha- they—it's so clear how they don't have a way of expressing themselves in life, or per- or or getting venting. Like they don't have any place to put it. You they yeah. just want to like go and like be like, dude, check this out. This new hobby you can get into, <laughs> <laughs> have some fun in your life, or so, I don't know. You could devote that energy. I feel Sorry for people that have that much. energy I think
1: some of it's a little bit of a um, a release that they just can't release into their own lives, yeah. and so they. Yeah. It's sort of like um, role playing,
2: Dick yeah. Asshole role playing.
1: It's sort of role playing, yeah. I I kind of had I, I had this idea once for a for it was basically a subplot of the movie, and I don't know what the movie was, but it was just a character trait where a couple, in order to spice up their life, their their love life. They would go out and pick up a second guy, and then he would start fooling around with a girl, and then the guy would get super jealous and beat the shit out of the other guy, and then they'd fuck. Wow, because like I think he that happens
2: a lot in real life anyway. He had yeah. to. It's, yeah. it's that
1: idea of like trying to create that emotional experience so you can feel that emotion, or like how you, Jonas, say you yeah. like to watch really depressing videos. Yeah, it's just like I think some people, or like why you listen to a bad song that you yeah. know you hate, just so you can be like. <laughs>
2: fucking hate the, it's like just for the emotion just so you can yeah.
1: release the emotion sometimes
2: of it. You're, you're, some people are so desperate for a feeling that they'll settle for anger that's
3: why I listen yeah. to the band fun just to get angry what is that <laughs> it's just the worst new band I don't <laughs> <laughs> is it like one direction kind of band no 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 it's uh you've heard him. you've heard fun I don't know if I have oh, well then that's a kind of a, just a reference that's just gonna fall flat maybe moment. not tell me, tell me about it Explain. I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> I want you to explain it so I'm you get mad. How are you going it's to? Like, it's like, oh, it's like this. It's like, I'm we'll sing perfectly. one of their songs because you seem no. to be a fan. No, You're I You're a fan it. of fun. It's bad. What kind of music I'm not a big is it? i fan of fun. I don't it's like not, fun. It's not good. Not good. Fun. But genre? Is it hip hop? Is it club? Is it's it like, like LMFAO? Uh, what is it? Um, no, it's like kind of uh, uh, like indie rock kids that listen to Arcade Fire and want to sound like Queen. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> uh, or like it, there's even elements of uh It's say, like Gautier uh, meets public enemy meets <laughs>
1: like uh, what's that? <laughs> meets uh whale song. Like journey I mean actual whale like, song. Like they it's have like, this like anthematic
2: like like journey. Asia meets sticks. <laughs> yeah, they have some but they have like there's the country of Asia there's, kind there's, of meeting beating like uh, sticking
3: elements to it where it's like uh you know, like a lot of you know, operatic singing and it sounds fun. It's not. It's <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually the review for the Fun album. It's just like, uh, Fun, it's not. By the way, why yeah, did it exactly. take someone so long to name a band Fun?
1: That seems like it was just right they, in the t- t- Two It was, was
3: Fun with a period after it. Oh, I bet there was
2: a band called Fun that they couldn't... Yeah. So this is ironic Fun, Fun period. It's so, like ironic they're Fun.
1: They're so bad.
3: They're so bad. Are they kids? Maybe it's because maybe you're not the right age group. Well, I don't know. It's Nirvana were kids. <laughs> Strokes were kids. Fucking Stones were kids. Yeah, no, that's, true. that's true.
2: So I'll... Bring things back to just to Thanks. plug the thing, this and all my stuff. Um, I wanted to make them. I went to Machinima because it's the biggest network without being a TV network. An enormous. And I work with do stuff with TV networks, but it, it TV's in such a slow motion suicide. And TV can't exist without the internet now. It right. Really can't. And. It wants to be the internet, the internet doesn't want to be it. It's it's this weird but right now it's really exciting because I mean people are clamoring to figure out how to make money, but it's it's a really exciting time where there's no rules and things are kind of fluid and you can make roads, which is those moments are rare. Yeah. Where you where it's chance to 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 really set up your own rules. So I wanted to go with Machinima just because um, it isn't a network, but you could reach as many as a network. You know? and it also, More in a lot yeah, of cases. Yeah, And it's, it's also a reaction of the people. Machinima wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Internet and a need naturally sort of happening. You know what I mean?
1: If your video gets like Epic Meal, a show like Epic Mealtime, mm-hmm. you know, gets two to five million views per episode. Those are bigger numbers than The Daily Show.
2: Yeah, Yeah. for sure, and and And, and definitely bigger than what Cyfionali got
1: on MTV. And I don't think people realize like like what kinds of numbers we're talking about. And you know, the the television, the infrastructure of television makes it impossible to operate like the internet. There's too much; they're too expensive to run. There's too much fear. They're too beholden to advertisers, and there's too many employees making too many decisions. And it is they're, they're not they lack the ability to be nimble in the way that you have to be or focused with 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 web content or niche or like just one simple idea and uh and so you know a lot of companies go well how the fuck do we make money in the internet and you go well <laughs> okay fine you may not make a billion dollars in advertising revenue it's like you can't, don't think of it necessarily as the same kind of tv model but what you are doing you know like in machinima's case and you know other cases and hopefully we're trying to do this too is You know, you can build out your thing to the point that when the inevitable shift does happen, then you have your audience and you can program for that kind of Mm -hmm. mega platform. So it's it's, it's more of a long-term plan, but so many companies are like, you know, well, how am I going to make, we need to make
2: $1,000 a a minute off our video. They're like, well, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah, if it takes $1,000 a minute for your company to run, but you can do it a lot smaller and make more money you know I it's it's frustrating but it's also exciting at the same time and so that's why my. in uh, yesterday I was doing press for syphiline stuff and somebody asked me if this w- if you had just come up with syphiline yesterday would you have taken it to networks or would you would have gone would you just go straight to the internet with it which I thought was a good question and I said I would have just gone straight to the internet with I think it. you would have just made it on your own YouTube channel yeah, the same way that you did when you were just doing yeah. it in Europe. Yeah. When I was doing it in my living room, and you know, even when I made it for MTV America, I made it in a friend's living room. Hmm. <laughs> and um, we didn't. It was just totally. I was like, I don't want to set foot in a studio. We don't need. It's a sock puppet show. Give me a break. You don't need. Yeah. Every. It's not. You know. And so it was all really like homemade. It feels like that and looks like that too. But
1: so then, just, so then, then you had that, and then you had was it United States of Whatever, the Whatever yeah. song. Right, which mm-hmm. got huge. But that was it was a, in the that was top,
2: a, yeah, that top was a, ten song in England and in, in um, Australia. So how did you...
1: That was another facet where, where it was like,
2: oh, now, and now I have this hit song. Well, after season one of Sifflin Ollie, I um, didn't know if we were going to get a season two, so I started doing a comedy album at home and just making songs, and that was one of them. And then we did get picked up. I released my album, and I just released like a thousand copies of it on my website, and we did a season two and when we would do the songs for Siffle the way the schedule was is we'd have to have, four, there was 40 episodes per season, so I would have to have 40 original songs. <sighs> and we had nine days to write Jesus and record Christ. 40 songs. Oh my Jesus. God! So do four albums in... You know, less than two weeks. So what um, a crash course, though. It in, was the g- best crash, cor- crash course and because you ever don't, Nothing has ever been harder than that.
1: And you, you don't have time to second guess. It's just like fuck it. We There's just have no fat. You just have to yep. do it.
2: So, um, so we came up short, three songs. And so I was like, well, I have my comedy album. I'll pull three songs from my comedy album. So it was an album called Fake Songs, and the so we pulled United States of Whatever and. Um, I had a fake Bowie song and I had a fake Dylan song, and I and I just used those um, in the season and um and Ollie. But then, whatever I I had season we got canceled. Some years went by and like four or five years later, maybe I think four years later, somebody bought my CD off my website years ago. They made a copy for a friend. That person really liked that one song. They put it on a copy. It copied and copied and copied and copied for four years until somebody gave a copy to a friend who was a BBC DJ, and he heard that song and he put it on the air and is like, "Was it's, it John Peel?" Hmm. No, I, I don't think it was John Peel. It was somebody else. And his switchboard lit up, so he started putting it in regular rotation. And then the other BBC um, people started seeing that that was on the list, and then others, you know, and so it. it it went to, I think, like number eight or nine in the charts. They asked me to be on Top of the Pops. like, And I was I was on the road with No Doubt, oddly <laughs> enough. And I was doing a video for them a, a for a live DVD. So I was like, I can't be on, I'm working. I can't be on Top of the Pops. They're like, you have to be. I was like, no. I, so I made a video for the song. And I, I was like, I'll make them a video and send them a video. So I went home on that weekend and I made the music video and sent them that so they'd have something to show. And um, and then I got in the Guinness Book of World Records because it was the shortest song to ever um, <laughs> become a top ten <laughs> hit in the UK. So so then I later found out that I like that. So then it got really big over there, and but it was from they w- they were still playing. A, they were all playing copies of a copy. It wasn't released anywhere. So. I did like a deal for a single over in in just the UK and Australia, and then when I, I was literally just at home one night and I got a call, and from Ringo Starr, <laughs> <laughs> and he called Liam, me and it was hi, like, was it's Ringo. Like, Liam, this is Ringo calling. I just thought I'd come and set up my drums in your bedroom, and so he really loved the song. And I had <laughs> when I lived in England, I. Was studying with Paul McCartney. And I lived in Liverpool for four years, and I was studying music with Paul McCartney. What do you mean you were studying music with Paul studied, McCartney? Studying music with Paul McCartney. I don't. Th- what are these words so, that you're saying? No but kid. Ringo, Ringo didn't know that I had lived in Liverpool and studied with Paul. You've it collected totally two Beatles, un- two unrelated, totally unrelated. And I said, you know, I, I actually lived in Liverpool for for years, and I, I studied with Paul. And then it just like, total phone silence. And then it just said. Well, I won't hold that against you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he created a label for me and then and then he played drums on my album and that's how Fake Songs was released in America. It was Ringo created a a, a label just so that we could put out the album. And um so it's really totally bizarre. What were you story.
1: studying with Paul McCartney? You're studying music. What is he teaching you? and what is paul mccartney can you have a normal conversation with paul or Are you like hey paul mccartney he's i'm really going i'm going to go get a sandwich what do you want bologna like how do you
2: well he's really complicated i think he's a really complicated person to be honest i think he's one thing on the outside i think he's something really totally different on the inside i think he has an incredibly he his his aura has a callus from keeping people from taking his energy from him. Yeah. So like when you're with him and you're looking at him, he feels one way. But then if you're close enough to him that you're inside his bubble, he feels totally different. I know that sounds weird, but it, it's he's it's like his energy. Like if you've had the whole world looking at you. Of course. Your whole life, yeah. you have an you have a force field. And um he uh you know, I got to hear a lot of insane th- stories and so equally with Ringo because I, I haven't seen <laughs> Paul I haven't seen Paul since back then. You mean but McCartney Ringo's and Star that's
1: what you're talking about right uh, now.
2: No, well Ringo's a friend and, and I do see him but um Paul I haven't seen since back then since I studied and you know so that, but how that do you,
1: was right before How do you come under
2: the tutelage of he started a performing arts school in Liverpool. It's the school that he and George went to. Mm-hmm. It's attached to the art college that John Lennon and Stuart Sutcliffe went mm-hmm. to. And um, they were going to tear it down, and he he ref- he bought the building and refurbished it, and the queen matched his um, money that he put into it to bring money and things to Liverpool because it's it was a, v- a very poor city in England. And um, so... It was a performing arts school. I heard it was about to start, and there were—it was very. There were forty musicians from around the world, and um, I had to go through a bunch of auditions and, you know, interviews and stuff. And I got in, and um, I was—I think there was only one other American there, but he actually got in. He actually auditioned in Germany. He was an American living in Germany, and he came in as a German student, but he was. American. Um and uh it was uh it was really intense that when I would meet with him it was one on one there was no it wasn't like a classroom so uh, they would tell me I, I was not to tell anybody when we would have lessons um because the press would get out and sure. stuff. in Liverpool it's insane. And it, they didn't want it to be hard for him to come to the school. And um we would, I'd walk into a little room and be a little soundproof room and he'd have his guitar there. And, you know, I'm a night person and I, I would work at night and the studios, there were studios at the school and I would check them out and you could get, you could get like four hour blocks and at nighttime, nobody would schedule them. So I'd take two four hour blocks. So I'd have eight hours. So I would work through the whole night so that I could use the recording studios. And so I would be up all night, and then the next morning, thankfully, I was so sleep deprived that it kinda, I kind of had a ghost pillow around my head that cushioned the surrealness of what sure. was going on, because I was kind of in a like, oh, you're Paul McCartney, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he was really, uh, the, the most intense, and in the, the most incredible thing about the whole experience for me was, well, for one, the first thing out of his mouth was, nobody can tell you how to write a song which is great to hear him say, because if anybody could claim they know how to write songs, it's Paul McCartney. Um, And also, um, the most incredible thing was hearing him singing, sitting right next to me, and hearing it come out of him as a person. Even if you see him live, you're hearing it through a microphone, through reverb, through a a mixing board. If you listen to his albums, you're hearing recordings that are mixed. But to hear the actual instrument not coming through a micro PA was like blew me away. Like it's something so familiar and it's so effortless. Like it's like <laughs> singing is more comfortable than talking for him. And his voice was like fucking it was like velvet hearing him sing, hearing it come out of like a person that's right right next to you. You just and that was weird. The only weird things was that and the very first time I met with him, I was nervous and sat down and had my guitar and I'm supposed to play him a song I'm working on. That's you know what I mean, like. Oh, and um, it. and he took out his guitar and he picked up his acoustic guitar and picked it up left-handed, and that's what I was like, holy shit! <laughs> I mean, no, no, you know, that was weird.
1: And he would p- play a lot with was was yeah. his process to try to get you to open up as an artist and see things that you like like yeah, break and, through walls and, and just
2: business things and you know business stuff and writing and. Methods, and what did he teach you about the business? Uh, I mean, lots of stuff. I was doing siphilanali when he was even though I was at school studying, I was making sifloali. so I would make him tapes and he'd watch him on his plane flying what? back to back down to london. and um and just weird, weird stuff, like you know, there are so many funny th- stories about it. I don't know if I want to take if you want me to take up the whole time talking about just this. But well, he, we can he, okay tell he, a couple. He, okay, this is a huge. This is an amazing development. Yeah, it's really, he um, and we haven't and even gotten to Ringo working, yet. I worked with George Martin too in the studio, which was Jesus equally Christ. for me was that was like <laughs> working with Merlin for me because I was I'm a studio engineer and and for me that was um. He is like the godfather of re- multi-track recording, and there's yeah. a lot. Of every we do a lot of things like there's a lot of stuff over there where the, where your mixing equipment is and recording equipment that is he started, you know, for, for reasons of the Beatles' creativity. And he would tell me things about like you know. He told me like when they'd be in the studio, he would he would, Paul would come in and have, an idea and parts. And this does this, and the horns do this, and he'd play things out, you know. And and John would see a Leslie cabinet with a spinning speaker, and he would want he wanted to he wanted George to George Martin to tie the, to tie a rope to his belt loop, <laughs> and put mics around the room, and to spin him. Around the room to spin him around the room past the microphones, like well, or we could use a Leslie <laughs> yeah, So really like great stories, and um, but Paul would say, you know, like like in writing songs, you know, I had a song, and I think it had the word very in it, and he was like, "You know, there's certain words that you know you just don't use, you know like you know <laughs> when John and I were doing peppers. And, we, and you're just like, oh, you mean Sergeant Peppers that you did when you were like 24. Yeah. You know, it's like insane realities. And you're like, oh, oh, Sergeant Peppers. Yeah. Okay, go on. I've heard of it. And he's like, you know, there's certain words like very or really that don't really mean anything. And so there was the, he seems like they had a lot of rules between the two of them when they were right songs. Like I could I could see that. I could see the two totally different personality types that are both bad asses in two different ways, but just so okay.
1: complimentary. Just so to hear, complimentary. I, I remember seeing an interview with him and he was talking about, they were, he was talking about, um, when they were writing, Scott, I've got to admit it's getting better. And he kind so he, so he's, so he, you know, Paul came in with, like, uh, I've got to admit it's getting better. And then he said, John kind of leaning in, went, can't, can't, can't get, get much worse. And that's it. And then yeah. that's the song, like, yeah. that's the, like that, so condensed this kind of. Relationship it seemed like that yeah. they had, and just the, the two ways that they
2: it's incredible came inc- and everything. It was it was incredible time in my life too because it was so surreal. Not only because of that, but I was where I lived in Liverpool City Center, and um, so you're dealing with that reality. And like across the street, I'd walk through a graveyard to go to the school where, and on that brick road behind the graveyard was. Charles Dickens used to walk down Jesus that street. Christ. Uh Hitler used to walk down that street because he went to the art college that John Lennon went to when he was a boy. <gasps> Jesus. And then you Christ. figure, like, okay, so I'm walking down this street. It's seven in the morning. I have been up all night. I'm going to see Paul McCartney and I'm walking a path that Charles Dickens, Hitler, and the Beatles all used <laughs> to walk daily. And you're just like uh, and then you're just like, you know what, I'm just gonna go get an egg sandwich. it sounds like an old I, it sounds
1: seen. like an old icebox.com cartoon like <laughs> the Beatles, crazy. hitler and dickens
2: all lived in a college kind of <laughs> is. it kind of is like a joke almost that's, but, and that's then, unbelievable know, he, and then he hitler um, wanted to be an artist you know and then he and he studied art and everything and then i think he was I think he like made was trying to make certain that that got bombed that that school got bombed.
1: Oh, cuz they didn't they didn't yeah. But, so listen, support your kids if they want to be an yeah. artist or they're going to turn John into Hitler. Lennon
2: was there studying sign painting. A lot of people don't know that, but he was actually at art college studying to painting like lettering for signs cuz that's like a decent job that you can where there's always work. Oh my god. Yeah, insane, and then and then all the stories with Ringo and 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 George. Danny Harrison's a good friend of mine. I just did a video this week with Danny Harrison, and um, and Ringo introduced us because George was Ringo's best friend, and so Ringo introduced me to Danny, and now we're best friends. What an
1: interesting how and how was Ringo to work with? He seems like a decent chap.
2: Dude, he is who you want to hang out. Always, he is so down to earth and funny as shit and he he has he sees things so simple that there's never bullshit involved what he tells you is honest and it's black or white just he is what you get like it's just you know he would just he made up a lot of the phrases that are in the Beatles songs like hard days night that's something ringo said eight days a week is something ringo said and he's kind of one of those dudes that'll say something that you could just take out of his mouth and go down to the tattoo parlor <laughs> and have it put on your arm. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, you know, really, it's the
3: United States yeah, of whatever. Who's <laughs> going like, take this out. that? Check uh, this
2: out. The first time I met him, it was on Sunset Boulevard. We met and had dinner. And he, he found out that I'm a Doctor Who fan. <laughs> and so whenever I first met him, I'm like waiting in front of this restaurant and he pulls up in the car and he gets out and he goes, puts his arms on. you, like, give me a hug. I'm a hugger. <laughs> I'm Woka, And he gives me a big hug. And when he's hugging me, he like reaches in my coat and he's put something in my coat. And I'm like, what the hell? And he gave me a Doctor Who the the movie uh, that was on television. The Paul McGann movie. The, yeah. Uh, With the uh, Eighth yeah. Doctor. No, uh, no, the old one. Oh, the, the old. The Daleks, uh, the Invasion of the Daleks. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dalekmania. The the movie that was the the Dalek invasion movie. Yeah. Um, and. He went. He stopped on the way to dinner and bought me a Doctor Who DVD and gave me a Doctor <sighs> Who DVD. Oh, that's Aww, so like how, sweet! How cool is that? Like that's what type of guy he is. And I think it's because his lows were so low in his life that I don't think any highs could. Could, he's he, he's grounded. You know what I mean? I think he's had, He had a really super super poor childhood he spent his whole childhood in the hospital he was a sick poor kid in a hospital his whole childhood and he learned how to play drums because they'd bring percussion toys into the hospital so you're talking about somebody that came from that to you know being a beatle and he's he's just a great he's just a warm awesome person like. i think i think he's gonna outlive. i think he's gonna be the
1: last i do too i think he's gonna be the last remaining Beatle.
3: no yeah.
2: I, I i think he will be i've
3: always he, he's the, so great he's i've always so had so the stigma great. that like he wasn't a good drummer or the like he was like he's the worst.
2: one of the best drummers yeah. in the history of so that whole great. that whole john and lennon
3: thing
1: of like he's not even the best drummer in the beatles like that's yeah i mean shit. paul's
2: a good drummer I and mean, he paul's drumming on a lot of wings stuff yeah um but but Ringo, you know, I just did a documentary. I was for a year. I was in the studio with Dave Grohl and John Paul Jones and Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, and I talked to to John Paul Jones, got every Zeppelin story out of my cup, But he was saying that Ringo Starr was. John Bonham's idol, John Bonham <laughs> idolized like that was his favorite drummer, and he was like Ringo always says. Was, then
1: why, right. then why wow. did why do people give him so much shit? They're like
2: not shit, and but Dave just, Grohl, who's a friend of mine, is an incredible drummer, and his idols, drumming idols are Ringo and John Bonham.
1: Was it was it just that was it you just that, tell that was yeah. it just that John and Paul were such powerful personalities, and Ringo was fine to just sort of like not be such a, you know, like such a face of the band, but that that he didn't because.
2: Well, I think a lot of the times um, the songs that they were bringing songs to the studio. If I think about the, how the writing process worked, it was probably John and Paul bringing songs into the studio, and then those guys playing to them. So I think that part of being on the backbeat is also the fact that he's playing to them. The, he's playing to the guitars rather than the guitars playing to the drums. Got it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that's part of part of it is that they, he was. And what's really cool too is that he would. When we would work in the studio and he drummed on my stuff, he writes. He would write on the drum heads, two times verse, two chorus, turnaround. Phil and so he'd write on the drum heads. There was his notepad. Yeah, he'd use them. There were you know sticky notes, you know, and then he had X's on his cymbals. I'm like, what are those for? And George Martin had put them there. They told he told Ringo like, this is the sweet spot. <laughs> this is where the symbol sounds the very best. Like George Martin went and you know Jeez. tapped out the entire symbol and found where the sweet spot was. <laughs> like just crazy story. I mean, it really, it
1: it really was. It's like the combination of that and him as a producer. It just seems like if any one of those elements were not in place, it yeah. Then At- it, and then it, they, they would have made good stuff individually. But just like they did, yeah. it was, just seemed like this because it, it it seemed like you have to have a guy like George. Martin to uh and the sort of technology revolution that was happen that was beginning to happen around that time to start playing with stuff and figure out how to yeah, pull everything absolutely. together and mix everything and it's like every They're element innovating
2: everything i mean everything it was just they did like an innovation.
1: it was just like it's just like all green lights driving across all town all
2: green lights and every the entire road is they did it first from Man. recording guitar Fuck. feedback to you know it's just amazing. What an incredible Ringo Ringo told me I would go and hang out with him at his house and he tells these stories. And like I literally was talking about my cats, you know, I have five cats. And we need to talk about that too because I cloned one of my cats.
1: Well, okay, we're going to talk about that in Doctor Who.
2: Yeah, and Doctor, we have to have a cloning in Doctor Who yeah. episode. But um he told me about the first time when they went to Elvis, when they met Elvis, and he said that they went to Elvis's house and they were all so nervous. This is like Beatles' first trip over to America, right? And um, Ed Sullivan trip. Yeah, mm-hmm. they got to meet Elvis while they were they went to Elvis. They went to Graceland to Elvis' house to visit Elvis. And they went there, and the weirdest thing overshadowed the whole trip for him. He said that they went in, and this is you know I don't know what year that was sixty. or no maybe it was earlier earlier, that'd be like 63 maybe 60 60 i don't know the exact year but i think it's mid 60s or early -early. Mid-sixties. yeah they went to elvis's house they walked in and he was in his living room and he stood up and he had probably like a bakelite remote for his tv he shut his tv off with a remote and set it down and stood up to greet them (laughs) <laughs> and this was literally the first time, and it probably was one of the very first remote anything. <laughs> like, the fact that it had a remote, they were like, he just turned the TV off without getting up and turning it <laughs> off. Is he some knob. kind of a, like, uh, a wizard? How How is that possible? So the whole time, Ringo said, like, as soon as they got outside, they were like, Fuck thing.
1: <laughs> how did he do that? Oh, this is my—it's not a screwdriver. I'm a time lord. Exactly. Nice to meet you guys. Yeah, How's exactly. it going?
2: Exactly. Like it's so funny. Those sorts of weird. And then, the, anyways, like I was telling him one story about my cats are so stupid. So I'm like, oh my god, my cat. Yes. He <laughs> and and I reminded him of a story. Like I reminded him of something to say afterwards. And this is how it started. I was like, so anyways, it was crazy. And he's like, that reminds me of the time. I, I'm not making this up. This isn't a try-to-be-funny exaggeration. This is word for word. I remember this one time. It was me, uh, Salvador Dali, and an American astronaut on this yacht... And we, and I said, and I go, dude, stop. And I fell on his floor. And I was like, don't you dare even tell me the story. I was like, the fact that I said something that, the fact that you were on a yacht with Salvador Dali and an astronaut, (laughs) I don't need, that's the story, Rigo.
1: And this adorable cat, go back.
2: Yeah, it's just like unreal. So, I mean, there's like, there is a, There are Beatles stories that are unlike other rock stories because they're the Beatles. And yeah,
1: and there's so much weight. And you, I mean, I, I find it remarkable that even after all that time, you were able to sort of keep it together and not be like,
2: (sighs) "Well, well, the first
1: okay, I died. I must have died. I died in the flight over to England."
2: (laughs) The first time that I met, that I had a class with Paul, and I found out that I got chosen because there were a bunch of musicians in the school, and everybody had to put one original song on a cassette tape and he listened to all of them and then he picked five people that he'd work with and i got to be one of those five <laughs> so um and i don't know if that meant that i was really bad or if i was really good uh, I probably the latter <laughs> so, so um so we uh like the very first time that i met him i i said um i said i know you're a really good drummer and um I'm actually forming a Beatles cover band, and we need somebody to be Ringo. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I actually asked Paul McCartney to be in a Beatles cover band with me, but he has to be Ringo. (laughs) How postmodern is that? Did you think that was funny? And he just... He couldn't fucking believe I said that, <laughs> and he laughed, and then he said, "Watch it, lad!" Wow, <laughs> which and could be like, very loaded. He had a great sense of humor. He just wasn't ready for. He just wasn't expecting it.
1: Yeah, we um uh weird Al shot something like Paul. Like they managed to wrangle Paul to shoot something for that oh, yeah, exhibit yeah. that he did. Uh, remember the, the exhibit that he yeah. did at the Orange County Fair? It was like a like a the about brain. the yeah about the brain yeah. Al, Al's brain. And It was like, uh, he's like so. We're shooting with Paul, and we get him in there, and he.
2: That's exactly he, how he talks.
1: He does. <laughs> he does the take a couple of times, and then I, and then, but he's not. He's like, but I just want him to do it one other way, and I'm like, Paul, can we just? And he was like, we got it, and I was like, okay, okay, we got it. Like, exactly. like he just he kind of felt the wall go up a little bit, and then you know, Al's very sweet and not confrontational, and it was just immediate. It was like,
2: thank you, thank I you so much. Friends with Al, I did his video for. Um craigslist yes you did the craigslist video um,
1: you've done a lot of you did sarah's comedy you did sarah's concert movie right
2: yeah i did jesus Jesus is magic magic. directed uh, an episode of her show and pick of
1: destiny tenacious you've had an amazing an amazingly diverse what's your sort of underlying besides cats and doctor who what's your what's your sort of underlying motivation like what's your what is it that you how do you how do you see yourself
2: uh i love making stuff In any medium, yeah, Uh, and so every—it's also a problem sometimes for for me because people need to know that that's the one—the guy that does this. And um, since I've never really been just the that one thing guy, um, when I do get jobs there, I don't know what people have seen what why they're giving me a job. So I I I have to ask them: Are you hiring me to be a writer or a director or to write music for this? Or because I do all that—I write music for movies and shows and and um cuz you meet a lot of people in LA and
1: they're like yeah I'm a triple threat you know or whatever yeah. like I'm right but but you actually do all these things
2: yeah I do them but um because I just love making things it's really so simple and and it's like it's it's like for the same reason that when you're a kid you love playing yeah it's like what you know what i mean so so i'm always making stuff and if i either i'm making things for other people um, I just finished vi- another video with Tenacious D mm-hmm. this week and, and, um, or, and I, but I also did their album art on their, <laughs> al- album art, so I, did, I did them Crooked Vultures album art too, even though I was doing their documentary, ended up doing their So album this
3: is, is going to be a new them Crooked Vultures? No, this album? is the last one.
2: Oh, okay. For that, I did the vulture headed guys. Oh and yeah. All the, all the
3: artwork and everything. Nice. So,
2: so... I end up getting hired to do different things, and I never know what it's gonna, what it's gonna That's be. Fucking au- That's fucking awesome. That's awesome. It's kind of fun because it all spawned from Syphil and Ollie, and and um, and I did different. You know, I was writing it and doing the songs and and directing it and doing all these different things, and um, I kind of got jobs in different places coming out of that gate, in those different things. You know what I mean? S- S- somebody would hire me because they liked.
1: It's the interesting. Way. It's just it's so common now for people to go, well, I'm just going to go make my thing because technology is inexpensive and delivery systems are easy because we have YouTube. Um, But you were doing that in the, you know, (laughs) you were doing that in the 90s when it was expensive and hard. And there really wasn't any way to distribute that stuff other than I'm just going to pass these VHS tapes around. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Or public or or maybe public access. Maybe. But for the most part, it, it it was an interesting, it was an, I think that's how you can tell like who the hardcore artists are, because even in the face of everything saying like, it, there's no way that you can afford or distribute this thing and you still make it anyway. I think that's very telling. Every,
2: every single success I've ever had in my whole life has been the result of something that I made for me, yeah. for fun, you know? And so it's like... Everything, like everything that I've done, that and anything that's good that's ever come to me or any bill that I've ever pl- paid has been because I did something because I didn't have to. Yeah, You know, I did, you know, it's usually, or like, you know, I'll get a job doing something for commercial or something because somebody saw the drinking out of cups video. Right. You know what I mean? And like, I don't know if you've seen the, the drinking out of cups video, but it's this, it's this, uh, vi video that went super viral and it's this lizard that's talking about a lot of surreal things. So you must sit in a yeah. lot of
1: meetings where they're like, "We want you to make us a viral video." And you're like, "You yeah. know, it doesn't work that way, right? I yeah, can make I you a video a
2: lot, you know. But it, but the good thing is that I I do have the ability to make um things. I my podcast, I started video podcasting really before really early on back on iTunes in like 2004. And um so uh, making Lynchland episodes, you know, like a lot of people, I've gotten a lot of things from people seeing those episodes that were for and Lynchland episode. Lynchland, this podcast I do for fun and for free, has had incredible guests on it too. Ringo's been on there, and Danny Harrison, <laughs> and um, Jack, and Tim Tim Robbins. So Tony I mean, Hawk, a, like all these great people, <laughs> and it's for no money and just for fun. Like, just it's it's so cool. Like, it's it really is. It really is. the
1: The, the lesson is that you just have to. Make stuff that you love and that you yeah, care about and exactly. then and then the other stuff will fall fall into place. I'm,
2: and and it does make a full circle back to Cifl and Ollie, because that's something I made just because I had to see it. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I had to see my friend Matt and Ice talking but as these like characters in, in this sort of like obtuse you know, surreal La- <laughs> show. Last two points. You cloned your cat. So yeah, and in fact today, today's uh, September in 11th. Three day four days is his birthday, his seventh birth seventh birthday.
1: The cloned cat's seventh yeah. birthday.
2: The original cat that he's cloned from is dead, but the clone is two years older than the cat that his clone father. Mm-hmm. His clone father was Frankie Forcefield. Okay. And he's Finnegan Forcefield, <laughs> as in like Finnegan's Wake. Sure. You know. And, um, or it so also has the, almost the word
1: Finnegan, "again" begin, in it.
2: Yeah, fin again, begin again,
1: begin again. Yeah. yeah. So how did you? Uh, so if the cat's seven years old, and cloning yeah, technology cloning is seven seven a relatively old. nascent science at that point, so uh, how do you how do you approach? Oh, was it? Did you do it in England? Is that how you're able to no, do? it? No, I did it here. Where? How did you? What piece of the cat did you take? What cellular well, structure? The cat
2: was. I was supposed to clone him. Um, while he was alive. The idea was to have him raise himself. <laughs> because he he deserved that situation. <laughs> he was the weirdest God cat on earth. And I was it. like, you know what, you fucking with me. How about I introduce you to you as <laughs> oh a <my> baby? <laughs> yeah. So I uh yeah. I set it up to clone him. My vet was actually studied, you know, genes and, and genetics and, and stuff. My vet studied, I think genetics in was, that's what his degree was in actually. And, um, so he was down for it to take the samples and they take a little sample from the roof of the cat's mouth and they take a tiny little sample from, of skin from its stomach, um, externally. And I set it up with the company and I set it up with him and I was getting ready to do it, and then, like, the week before I was going to do it, the cat got hit by a car. Oh, Oh, Jesus. So then I went out, and I brought his body in, and I put it in the refrigerator. I didn't put it in the freezer, because I knew that if I put him in the freezer, the water in his cells would freeze and destroy the DNA. But if you refrigerate it, it would keep him. So I had him in a Well, that's not
1: weird that you know how to preserve a body.
2: No, right. But I put him in the refrigerator, and then I called the company. I said, the cat I was about to clone just got hit by a car. And they said, well, if you get it to us within five days... There's still a chance. Then, so, then right there is a Smokey and the Bandit comedy where you have to get to <laughs> Texarkana, te- <texo laughs> Texas. Yeah. The most precious cargo. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to that engine purr. Yeah. Yip, yip, yip. Yeah. So, um, so they took when they took samples, they took them from internal organs, and they took a lot of samples because the cat was dead; it wasn't going to get any fresher. Right. So they took a lot of samples from from Frank, and then um, they grow eggs. You know, cells like, and they grade them like eggs, and they 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 take those cells and they um, shock them and they start dividing mm-hmm. and they rate them like eggs A, B, and C, and then they the the good ones they pull the um, DNA from those cells, they get a female cat and they, they get it um, drunk. They get hurt, yeah, get a real drunk. <laughs> They <laughs> Send get her a to a bar, and they get her her eggs, and they take her information out of her egg, and they put in the DNA from my cat, mm-hmm. so that it seems as if it's the makeup of a mother and yep. a father, and then they shock that egg with insanely low amounts of voltage, and it starts multiplying, and then they get a cell cluster, and they put it back into the mother's womb, and then she grows a. Baby, one kitten that isn't born in a litter—it's just a single kitten—and she she gives birth to a baby that she has no relations to. And they actually impregnated two cats to raise the chance of it working, and both of them became pregnant. But the one kitten died, Aww. not because it was a clone, just because kittens die. Yeah. And so the the mothers, um, one one of them's name was Blue, and the other one I can't remember the other one's name, but the one that gave birth to Finnegan. If they had both lived, the other one's name was going to be Fett, after Boba Fett. Oh, of course. Um, so, um, this mother gave birth to Finnegan, but she never had sex. She they did a C-section. Oh, so your so cat is never, Christ. He's Christ's cat. Yeah. Um No, but uh, she never had sex, and she had never had a kitten before, and she the immaculate the immaculate so conception. She, I'm
1: sorry guys. I didn't yeah. that was not worth it.
2: <laughs> so she she basically got, you know, like anesthetized and they took the baby out and then she woke up and she was like, There's this kitten and I didn't you don't look like me. So <laughs> the other and the cages were next to each other, both mom's cats. And one mom's cat baby died. And the other died it died like two days after it was born. And the other one who gave birth to Finnegan, she didn't even know what it was. She, so she wasn't taking care of it. She turned her back to it. She wasn't grooming it. She didn't care. So it started crying. The mother of the cat who died was l- digging through her, her, um, through her cage looking for her baby, thinking the clones was the cry of her baby. So they took this. This is very they took, complex. They took the. They took Finnegan away from the cat that gave birth to him and gave him to this other mother whose baby died, and because he had the same scent as her baby. <laughs> oh come on! And oh. because he basically was, she accepted it as her baby and she raised it. She raised Finn. She raised Finnegan, even though she also had no relation to Not him. Not like that other
1: bitch who just wanted a career. Oof. Yeah.
2: No kidding. No, but I mean, even though genetically neither of them had any relation, she didn't even That's give birth to him. That's unbelievable. It's just like the maternal instinct. And, just, yeah. just
1: Yeah. just it's, a, it's And just, then when like, I brought caught. him into
2: my home, all my cats accepted him as Frank. Because they smell? Because he <clears throat> had Frank's scent. God damn it. So um, they're like, oh, Frank's back, and he's a baby now. It's <laughs> 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 <That's> really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, you look really young. You have work done? You look like you're... Twelve weeks old. That's gonna. I that's the Frank plot of Benjamin
1: Button. Out. It'll come out in seven years. Yeah. Did yeah. you? So are you gonna just keep cloning that cat over and over again? Dan? No, I. I,
2: went, I was also. I was writing a script for Universal about cloning too. So I was wanting to learn about it, and I got to really interview all the geneticists that did the cloning, and a lot of all the money for. The, we've learned a huge amount about cloning, and it's all come from Texas and these people that. Breed these uh, prize-winning um, racehorses, and and steers. Like they, they sell cum shots from like a, sure. a bull that
0: like um, on red like
2: five hundred thousand dollars for like a semen sample from a prize-winning bull. So sure. like, well then I want ten of them bulls. <laughs> so they put millions and millions of dollars into um, cloning, and they can really do it. There's it's closer than a twin. It's not 100%, it's ninety nine point nine 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 forever, just but it's not. A, a half a million dollars for Dude, a bull I, just I to. I could do a whole episode just talking about weird clone stuff with this cat. Because the cat that I cloned was super weird and quirky and not like any cat I've ever had. And he was a weird cat. And this clone, it's, it was a really good cat to clone. It's so like, oh my God, he totally just licked his paw just like Frankie did. It's oh. not like, I mean, this cat was weird and did really specific things. And I even did, did, like, putting all the cat toys in our house. And at one time I had seven cats, so it's was ridiculous. Um, like, 70 cat toys out on the floor. One of them was Frank's. And I mixed them all up on the floor. And Finnegan, as a kitten, walked right through all the toys to Frank's and picked it up and walked out. We- <laughs> cellular toy are preference. stories endlessly weird, especially the stuff that the geneticists said about cell memory.
1: So what's going to happen? Were you ever afraid that after, like, two years you are going to go in and then Finnegan was just going to be in the corner smoking, like, half-evolved, like some other DNA got in, and he's
2: like... Mm-hmm. Well, what scared me is that I've the been guy, waiting to evolve, Liam. The guy... Um, the place that cloned Finnegan, um, it's a new... They started a new company. It's called BioArt, and they're mm-hmm. in Beijing now, and they just their goal was to clone dogs, but there's a bunch of reasons that are super technical of why it's, it was hard to clone dogs, but they figured it out and they were going to clone dogs. And they asked if I'd go on good morning America, because I'm one of the few people that own a cloned pet. People are um, freaked out by that. Yeah. So they made the announcement that they can now clone dogs on good morning, good morning America. And I went on as a person that has a cloned pet that they had done. And, um, and you know, where was I going with this story? um,
1: you were a spokesperson for cloning
2: i was a, I was and I actually Salvador had Dollly comes in, <laughs> and I was on this yacht. Oh my so, God, don't no, tell no, me um, anymore but uh the the guy I remember what I was gonna say the guy uh, um asked me to be they did uh, an auction for for the dogs they they're going to clone 5 dogs for people and it was going to be an auction for four and i think bidding started like started at like $150,000 something ridiculous and they auctioned four of them and the fifth one they're going to give away for free they're going to clone someone's dog for free so they people wrote in sto- their stories of why their their dog should be cloned and I had to be a judge.
1: I'm sure those were upbeat letters.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh man, it was the worst ever. So I, they narrowed it down to ten, and I had to put them in the order of who I think should get it first. Oh, why would you want that responsibility? Yeah. So, I, but how? But how often do you get to be in a cl- be a judge in a cloning contest?
3: I think so, once. Yeah. Once. No, it's That's called American often. Idol.
2: Ah, <laughs> That's see, because they're all sound uh-huh. the same. Oh. Come on, you guys. But, um, so. Whenever he did it, he's like, do you want to do this cloning thing? I was like, sure, I'll do it. I was like, for a coupon, for a free cloning coupon. Like, I was kidding. Yeah. And he's like, actually, you know, get in touch with me when you want to talk about upgrades. What? And I didn't ask, because what he's saying is, if you want to make an upgraded version of Finnegan... Let me know. With, like, tiger claws That's and a fucking like. about, alligator tail? Well, we could do a version of Finnegan, but with, like, yeah, a slab, one crab claw and <laughs> hawk vision <laughs> yeah. and glow-in-the-dark hearing.
1: Now, and, and, and so, uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, people are definitely freaked out by the idea, like, the ethical of cloning, but, but I'm fascinated by it. was like, why shouldn't we be able you to? You know
2: what? Here's the truth. If you have a dog, you are guilty of genetic manipulation. Sure. Because every dog is a wolf. Now look at a look at a wiener dog or a sheep dog or a poodle, and realize that we bred that. We we forced uh, breeds through breed you know genetics like Gregor Mendel with pea sh- We shaped yeah we we <laughs> shaped them into that. yeah. And we've been doing that with plants forever, mm-hmm. with farming, of merging breeds of plants. And this just takes all the fucking out of it, of, Lyman. It, it's just, it it takes, you know, it, it's been a part of of being human, is uh, changing our surroundings and, if, and working with genetics.
1: What if he meant he could upgrade you? I'll make a you with a crab claw. Yeah,
2: I think he... he I, I didn't ask because I didn't even want to know. I didn't even want to know. <laughs>
1: we have time. like three minutes left. Okay. I just really quickly, first of all, you've been an amazing guest, Liam Lynch, and I hope we get Thanks. to do more stuff together. I'd like
2: to. I actually wanted to ask you guys I don't know if you're booked all the way through October or not, but I have the most effed up ghost story for around Halloween time. Or And if, if you're already booked through Halloween, I have to come back and t- just tell you uh, it's a long story but I guarantee you it is the most insane paranormal story that happened to me in England over the course of years. What? And it involves the Masons underground tunnel systems and whores sold.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you're, you, don't, deb- you don't need to say the story. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it. Need, we'll uh, do. You know we ghost just stories. Record them separately, and- yeah,
1: an and minute. then we'll just. I have a
2: really intense one.
1: That's amazing. <laughs> okay, so you promise. We should
2: play Scary Wind sound effects or something behind.
3: <laughs> well,
1: we have an instant replay machine right here with Scary Wind sound effects. That's what, he's t- hey, that's so what he calls me. So you are, <laughs> Jonah <laughs> Scary Wind. Uh, just in closing, you're a, you're a huge Doctor Who fan, a, a and you time. and you you were telling me that you actually have episodes that go back to Hartnell.
2: Mm-hmm. on VHS. All, almost all of mine are on VHS until the new one. I, I started rebuying some of the old ones as they've been releasing them on DVD, but I've been a fan since the 70s. I used to watch them on, watch Doctor Who on PBS, and I didn't have a single friend that ever liked Doctor Who. Growing up, I used to go to conventions. I didn't know anybody that even knew what it was. I was just like a lonely American Doctor Who fan. In, in you know... It was sad, (laughs) and then it came (laughs) back, and now I find myself buying all the toys that I didn't have when I was a kid. Of course, awesome Doctor Who toys, and um, and I connected Rob Schraub, is like my a good friend of mine, and and huge Doctor Who fan. He's a huge Doctor Who fan too, so he was like my got to connect. That was one of our first things we connected on, and um, but I have a lot of like cool Doctor Who stuff and some like. Doctor Who from the '70s, you know, like Doctor Who cookbooks and Doctor oh, yeah. Who uh, knitting. You said you a toaster patterns. cozy with the with yeah, canine. canine. You know, toaster cozy. And Rob Schraub actually gave me an incredible Dalek, um, like Zippo lighter, where like the head goes off. It's like a big chrome Dalek that you you know like light cigars with. Nice. And, um, Exterminate after yeah, you light this got, fire. i got some good autographs as well, and. Um, that I bought at conventions over the years, as well as I just telling you, I have the, a big um, sketch of Tom Baker's second outfit with this when he changed to his second scarf, um, and it's it's the the sketch the wardrobe artist did when designing that his Fuck, outfit, and it's signed awesome. by Tom Baker and the wardrobe you know, wow. designer, framed.
1: William Hartnell, John, oh. John
2: Pertwee,
1: John Pertwee, John um. Pertwee. Um,
2: yeah, so we have to talk Houston about and I so I've been loving all the narrative stuff in the bowling and everything. Oh thanks, with, man. With, with all your doctor who If I'd had you so if I'd great. known
1: you then I would have had you come on that um, but we'll, what, we'll, there'll be more that's stuff though.
2: we're good friends with Alex and he's been on my podcast and Albrecht. He yeah, and he that day tweeted me like like bowling, with Dr Who? I'm so sorry at Lynchland, Cause he knew like, that he was like, Liam should be here. Not me. Well, he we'll have,
1: play. we'll have you back on in October. I'm so sorry that we have to, I could talk to you. I could talk to you for another two hours about all this stuff and we'll have you back yeah, on. I'll come
2: back on. I, I know that that you would appreciate this, this ghost story. I need to It's tell
1: done. You. It's booked. We're going to do yeah. it. Okay, cool. All right. Enjoy your burrito, everybody. <laughs> I don't know why I yelled.
2: <laughs> Bye everybody.
1: <laughs> Enjoy it. Enjoy your very good burrito. Very's not really. Old. Paul McCartney would really. not approve. Exactly. Yeah, and very, you're he very used really. To say,
2: and he said, you know, we'd say like John would say like I'm going to write a motorboat, and I'd say I'm going to write two tellies <laughs> and a motorcar. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, with this song, I'll buy a motorboat. <laughs>
0: oh Jesus! <laughs> oh, fuck! investigators suspected the young rapper staged the scene. But after not one, but two trials that ended in hung juries and new evidence that may place YNW Melly at the scene of the crime, his trial has been paused indefinitely. With countless twists and turns, Law & Crime covers all angles of the case and begs the question, is this young artist the victim of a witch hunt or a silver-tongued devil who's evil to the core? Listen to Murder on My Mind exclusively and ad free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.